We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. What's up, everybody? Finally got that cat I've been talking about, but I never had one before. Any tips? All right. Welcome back to another Budding Heads. Hope you enjoyed the new intro. Uh, Marcus Peters hasn't been on the team for months, so we thought it was about time to switch it up. We're still taking sound bites. If anybody has any suggestions better than what we have, but for now, we have Todd Gurley talking about his cat. Johnny, how you feeling? You know, I, I love the <laughs> I love the new intro. It's it's. Not Marcus Peters, admittedly, but uh, I, I, I like it. It's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I you know what? I'm a fan of it. We we looked at some others. Uh, Sean McVay calling himself an idiot was one, but this this is our favorite for now. Uh, but look, if you have any suggested sound bites, we're taking them all. Uh, we will consider 
each and every option before the 2020 season. Uh, but anyways, today's pod, we're talking Rams, all-decade team for the 2010s. I, I wrote about this for Ramswire. If you'd rather read this, uh, assuming you're listening to the podcast, I think you'd rather listen to the podcast. But hey, if you want more of it after, uh, you can go check it out on on Ramswire. Dot, or I'm not Ramswire. You can Google it. I uh, did two parts, so two separate articles. But Johnny, I'm excited to hear your team. You've seen mine. I haven't seen yours. Uh, so hey, why don't we just get into it? Start at the t- oh, we got to go over the rules. Uh, it's pretty obvious. 2010s, 2010 season to the 2019 season. Uh, we are only considering things that happen in between those years. So just because you're Steven Jackson and you're the Rams all-time leading rusher doesn't mean we're going to count your whole resume. Although it might have factored into his standing here. But uh, for professional purposes, statistically, we're only taking 2010, 2011, and 2012 from him. Not anything that happened previous from that. So that that's it. That's the only rule. Uh, anyone else, anything else is in play here. Let's start at the top with quarterback. Basically, really, your only options are Jared Goff and Sam Bradford. Realistically, I mean, I'd love to throw a shout-out to Austin Davis, uh, my favorite Rams quarterback of the decade, but he's not my choice. Johnny, who did you choose here? As tempting as Austin Davis really was, and he's really tempting – I think this is kind of a no-brainer, and I think, um, you know, when I when I first started doing my own list, I, you know, it was kind of entertaining because, for the most part, it's pretty obvious. And at, at uh, quarterback, it has to be Jared Goff. You know, Sam Bradford. While we had high hopes for him, he never really panned out to anything. You know, while he was with the Rams, Jared Goff. You know, you, whether you love or hate the guy, you can't deny that he's had some pretty good seasons. Last year might have been not that great, but compared to the rest of the quarterbacks you have to choose from from this decade, I, I don't think there's any question. He he certainly fits the bill there. And uh, I don't know, Steve, are you going to throw a curveball here and, and pick somebody else? No, it's Jared Goff. Two Pro Bowls, uh, I mean – over the three years, he was a full-time starter, 1,300, 130 yards, uh, completed 63% of his passes, the 82 touchdowns against 35 picks, 33-14 uh, thir- record, not counting his rookie year. And, I mean, if you counted his rookie year, 33-21, and 21, not bad. That's far better than the quarterbacks that preceded Jared Goff. This year was frustrating, but, I mean, I think – if you only considered his 2017 and 2018 seasons, he'd still be the guy here because a, that's how impressive he's been. And B that's how frustrating the other quarterbacks on this list are. Uh, I mean, Sam Bradford's the only one who really deserves any type of honorable mention. Great rookie season. Uh, seemed really promising, but unfortunately played by some bad offenses, some bad lines, a lack of, pass catchers honestly and it didn't work out uh for Jared Goff will it work out in the long term all that matters is he got to a second contract which Sam Bradford never did and and look he made two Pro Bowls and I think his 20 
his 2018 season might be more impressive than anything Mark Bulger did and is certainly, to me, it's the most impressive quarterback season we've had since Kurt Warner's prime. Uh, and, and this is coming from a guy that loves Mark Bulger. Hopefully Goff can get back there, but we'll see. Yeah, there's There's no other choice here. Running back, to be honest, Johnny, I love Steven Jackson. I, for the time frame we're talking about, I don't think this is really a debate either. I think it has to be Todd Gurley. The running back, y'all. <laughs> so as far as Steven Jackson, if it was a decade earlier, there's no question Steven Jackson's your guy. But yeah. since he had the latter half of his career in the 2010s, like there's, you know, that's not, that's not exactly who you want to go with here, especially when Todd Gurley, you know, uh, despite his play. Wow. This sounds familiar, you know, with, with Jared Goff, <laughs> but uh, despite his play last year, you know, Todd Gurley, I, I think we can all agree that Todd Gurley was one of the more dominant running backs in the league for, you know, three, three or so years. So um, that amount of dominance compared to the rest of the options that the Rams have here, I, I don't think it's really, I don't think there's really any point in arguing here. Yeah. Todd Gurley's your guy here. Uh, and to this day, I, I I'm hoping that he'll have some kind of resurgence in two, uh, 2020, but we'll see. And, and I think, uh, a major reason why we're, his 2019 season was so scrutinized, and rightfully so, is because of his contract and because of how fucking good he was before the 2019 season. Uh, 857 rushing yards and 12 touchdowns, uh, 1,000 total yards including receiving, 14 total touchdowns. In a vacuum, great numbers. Not great, very good numbers for a running back, I'd say. Uh, but considering what he did the two previous seasons having in two combined seasons 2,500 rushing yards, 1,300 receiving yards, 40 total touchdowns, it felt a little disappointing. Uh, look, it's it's a no-brainer. He's literally, if he scores one touchdown on the ground next season, he will be the Rams' all-time leader in rushing touchdowns, and that is in year six. Uh if, if we're talking about Steven Jackson's entire Rams tenure, it's a debate. It's probably him. But uh, look, it's girly here. It's a no-brainer. And we will circle back to Steven Jackson later. Two all-pro teams for Todd Gurley, three Pro Bowls. The guy, the guy has been a monster. And when 1,000 total yards and 14 touchdowns is disappointing, you know you're a damn good football player. Receivers. I'll let you start here, Johnny. Who you got? So the funny thing is, as I was doing research for this, because, uh, you know, it, it's funny because you, you think back and you you remember old familiar names and you would think receiver is kind of one that the Rams, especially in recent years, that the Rams excelled at. And that's not entirely true. <laughs> not uh, entirely. That's not true whatsoever. <laughs> Well, because I, I was I was doing some research and the name started f flooding back to me. Guys like Chris Givens, like Kenny Britt, yep. Brandon Gibson. Oh my God! I Half was, a season uh, of Brandon Lloyd. 
Oh yeah, and then Brent that that utter failure. Um, so when you when it all boils down to it, the receivers that the Rams have now are better, far better than anything that they've had the rest of the decade, and that's Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. You know these these two guys are. By far, you know, one of the, um, you know, the best receivers of the decade. Robert Woods being one of those guys that you can just rely on, you know. Uh, no matter what, this guy is always there doing his thing, getting, um, <laughs> you know, being that clutch guy for the Rams. And as far as Cooper Cup goes, uh, one of the guys that just seems to always be there for Jared Goff is Cup. And, you know... I think we can all make an argument during the Super Bowl that the Rams could have definitely used Cooper Cup. And who knows, if the Rams did have Cup, might have been an entirely different story. So if you have a playmaker like that, you, you got to mention him for an all-decade team, especially when you have to mention other guys like Kenny Britt as potentially being the next best receiver. Uh, and that's, that's saying a lot. He is. I, I had Kenny Britt third. Uh, I mean, you could make a, you could kind of make a case for Brandon Cooks, but I don't, I don't really even think you can. Uh, but I did have Cooper Cup, Robert Woods as well. The Rams have had more 1,000 yard receivers in the last two years. Or in the last two years, they had four of them. And between 2008 and 2016, they had one. And that was Kenny Britt. It was ugly. Uh, one name you didn't mention, Johnny, Danny Amendola, uh, who was really the only guy like that had any success on another team after he left here. You know, maybe you count like the three good games Denario Alexander had on the Chargers. But it was a really it was a mess for a long time. And. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup were the guys to turn it around. And the funny thing is, like, we're, these were not, like, highly, highly touted players. Like, we didn't bring in a couple world beaters. We brought in the perennial number two receiver from Buffalo and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, who was a third-round pick from a FCS school. And these guys, these guys from day one, you could tell they were good players, and it was something different. And I think it was in – in 2018 where both of them really really started to show out and look like the players that we would have hoped they were but they both did it their whole time but that was the year where everything clicked and had cooper cup not gotten injured i really think we would have had three 1000 yard receivers that year uh which is an impressive feat and yeah these are the guys for sure for me uh they hope we get to watch them for years to come it'll be interesting to see what happens with cup with his contract but the these two players in particular along along with <laughs> dare I say Sammy Watkins and Brandon Cooks after him turned the ship around and finally gave the Rams the receiving core that they had lacked since Torrey Halt left the team here is I think the this is the this is really the or no you know what we're not getting a tight end Johnny I forgot we have a flex position uh this is basically Rather than putting a third receiver, rather than putting a fullback or a second tight end, any skill player can go here. Uh, so it's really just between the guys we just talked about. You know, 
the Kenny Britts, the Brandon Cooks, the Danny Amendolas, and the Steven Jacksons, who to me feels like the obvious choice. Um, yes, we're only counting the last three years he was here, but he had 1,000 yards rushing in each of those seasons, 3,431 rushing yards and 15 total touchdowns through those years, and he added another 1,000 yards as a receiver. Uh, this is over three years, so it kind of screams at how insane Todd Gurley's numbers were. But uh, Steven Jackson's a legend. He's the team's all-time leading rusher. I truly think if the Rams were better or if he got drafted by a better team, he'd probably be in the Hall of Fame. But he didn't. He's here. We will always remember how good he was. And I think he earns a, a slot on this team. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Steve, because uh, he's the only other guy that you could really put there would be Kenny Britt. And I will take an age Steven Jackson over Kenny Britt any day. It's just, it's not even close. And the fact that Steven Jackson, even in the latter half of his, you know, career, still putting up thousand yard seasons, that's impressive. It shows you how talented this guy was in quite possibly some of the worst assembled offensive lines you could ever imagine. And, uh, a testament to that is as we move forward, you'll notice how, how tough it is for us. Uh, you know, right now it's it's really easy to kind of mention these guys, but at moving forward towards the offensive line, it, you'll see how difficult it really gets and, and how impressive it was for Steven Jackson to be as dominant as he was for so long with such crap as offensive linemen. Uh, it, it's really such a shame that he, he came to – the Rams at such a terrible part of, of their franchise history. But regardless, Steven Jackson will always be, in my opinion, one of the better running backs, not not only on the Rams, but in the history of the game. I don't think anyone can argue that. I agree. Ten, pound for pound. Well, pound for pound. Who's a pretty heavy dude. But talent-wise, talent the guy was a monster and an absolute beast. And I really wish we were able to put better teams around him. Uh, he was the sole bright spot on the Rams offense for a long time. Um, I'm glad he got to play in a playoff game. He played in a playoff game his rookie year, but got to at least show up in the, the playoffs with the Patriots later, and they couldn't even win with him. They couldn't even get our boy a ring. They couldn't even do that for us. Um, but, yeah, and eight straight 1,000-yard seasons behind the lines he was playing behind – that is a feat that I don't think outside of us as Rams fans will ever get the respect it deserves because it's it's truly insane that he did that. Um, but like you mentioned, it gets worse. These choices do not get easier, at least on offense. And tight end is it, it's not it's not great choices here. Uh, maybe the most abysmal position in the Rams franchise history. Uh, truthfully, we've like never really had a consistently good long-term tight end. But y'all know how I feel about certain Rams tight ends the past decade. So, Johnny, I am going to let you kick this off. <laughs> oh, what a, what player do you mean? I, I can only imagine. No, but in, in all seriousness, tight end has never really been a – <laughs> I mean, you could even make this a franchise, like an all-franchise uh, team, and you, it would be still difficult to choose the best tight end. 
for the sake of this segment, Johnny, the, can you the top tight end? Before we dive in, can you name who holds the franchise record for most receiving yards by a tight end in a season? I would imagine it would be Tyler Higby. Yes, Tyler Higby yeah. last year. He only had yeah. 734 yards, which is like a great season, honestly. But the franchise record, like that's wild. Continue. It, it, it is, and that puts a lot into perspective because, um, well, I, I can't necessarily name Tyler Higby here, but, um, you know, just because it was really only last season that he had, you know, this turn up. But um, I, I have to go with I have to go with Lance Kendricks here. And some of you are may have even forgotten about him because it's been a while. You know, since Kendricks was on the Rams, you know, I believe the last time he was with the Rams was 2016. Yep. Played one year uh, in L.A., five years in St. Louis, so six total with the team. Ah, all right. I actually, I forgot he actually played with with in L.A., so yeah. that, that's, uh, Me that's too. kind of amazing. I, I forgot about that. But um, Lance Kendricks, I feel like, he'll always be kind of downplayed because he never lived up to the potential that we all kind of expected out of him. You know, he was supposed to be a guy that would be a reliable pass catcher. And there were times where he did, he played really well as a pass catching tight end. And, uh, there were very, very forgettable moments or moments we'd like to forget because man, he dropped the ball an awful lot. Um, but on the other hand, too, being a pass-catching tight end isn't necessarily the only aspect of the job. And I would argue that Lance Kendrick wasn't that bad of a blocker. I, I wouldn't go as far as to say he was a really excellent blocker, but I thought, you know, all things considered, he was okay. I'd and, say good. I'd say better than yeah, okay. Uh, maybe I'm being a little harsh, but compared to, like, other tight ends on you know from the decade i would say lance kendrick was the better overall tight end which is why i i give him the nod here yeah obviously peak or tyler higby last season was better than anything lance kendrick's did in his six years here uh but i agree i like truthfully i thought i was gonna have to talk myself like do mental gymnastics to not pick jared cook but honestly, when you dig into it, it's clearly Lance Kendricks. Uh, six seasons, and <laughs> if you look at his stats, Johnny, you mentioned he's an underwhelming pass catcher. 2012, he had 519 receiving yards. 2016, he had 499. So not bad, like not good, but not bad. Uh, fair for like a tight end who's not a top option. But you know what happened in those three years in between? <laughs> Give it to me. They signed some fucking bum named Jared Cook who took all the all the targets and dropped a lot of passes in his own right and pushed quarterbacks on the sideline. Um but look, Kendrick's <laughs> <laughs> and it, you're you're decide and I, I throw Higby in here too. You're deciding between the three of them. Kendrick's was here for six years. I wouldn't call him disappointing. I think honestly his 
and I mean this, his de- somebody mentioned this to me on Reddit today, his development kind of got stunted because we brought in Cook. And, like, at the time, I, I wouldn't have argued the Cook signing. L- a little hefty price tag money-wise, but he was a talented player who had potential. He did not live up to it. Uh, but, unfortunately, he caught he caught the bat under the stick for those couple years. And he was here the entire time and on the field a decent amount. And... In his last year, he, he got to play a little bit. And he was a decent red zone target. Uh, like I mentioned before, a good blocker. Uh, likable guy on the team. Never really was the reason we lost games. Uh, I think if you had... Like, if you put Lance Kendricks at his best with when he was with the Rams on, like, last year's team, I don't think we would have blamed him for anything. I think he, we would have been fine with what he was out there doing based given the money we were paying him, which was not a lot. Uh, so I, I like Lance Kendricks. Not like you don't feel great about the choice. And I mentioned in my article, the sad thing is he'd probably be the tight end for all of the 2000s, dating back to 2000, which is not great. Uh, but I think you could do worse. And speaking of doing worse, Johnny, <coughs> uh, I'm actually – we're going to take a break quick because you guys are going to need to cleanse yourself before we talk about the offensive line. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. Okay. Offensive line. It's going to start okay and it's going to get worse. Johnny, give me your two tackles. We'll start with the best part. Okay, so I, I think everyone knows who number one is, and that's Andrew Whitworth. It's without question. Whitworth is the best tackle that the Rams have had since Orlando Pace. That's, you know, and obviously we can't put Orlando Pace here because he doesn't really fit the mold of the decade. But as far as Whitworth is concerned, he may have been in the bottom half of his career here, but he's still one of the best tackles. Not not one. Okay, let me rephrase that. He is still the best tackle that the Rams have had in this decade. There is absolutely no question. And for that reason, I'm not going to even argue any further. Now, the second tackle, that's where it's... <laughs> that's where it gets a little complicated. So... I've been kind of tossing back and forth on this one because on one hand you have Rob Havenstein who, you know, last year had just, it's not even a, a terrible year. It was a, it was the worst year he's ever had. And that's including his rookie year. Yep. And that, that's saying something. So, I, I find it really hard to say Havenstein, but I can't overlook the years before that because he was always a solid tackle until last year. So it's it's hard not to say Havenstein. I really want to say Joe Barksdale 
because I always felt Joe Barksdale was kind of an underrated player that never got the praise that he deserved. But in the end, Joe Barksdale wasn't with the Rams for very long, and really he just kind of fizzled out once he left. So in the end, I I, I got to swallow my pride here a bit and give it to Havenstein, which uh, I'm hoping for better days for Havenstein. I, I'm, I don't want to give up on the guy, but, man, after last year, there's really nowhere to go but up. So he is hoping that he goes up. I, I love that you're just throwing out praise for Joe Barksdale on this podcast. <laughs> Incredible. Hey, look, man, I did a lot of research for this Lyman group. Joe Barksdale started for pretty much three seasons on the Chargers after he left. Compared to a lot of the other guys that were up for these positions, he had a great post-Rams career, honestly. Um, <clears throat> I, I have... I have the same two choices as you. Whitworth is an absolute no-brainer. Probably maybe the most important player free agency acquisition we've had uh, in the last 15 years for the Rams, maybe even longer. Uh, Not the most important player we've had, but free agency pickup. The guy changed the entire culture of the offensive line. Uh, He's a little old when he came in, and it didn't matter. He he still played at an all-pro level. Uh, at least for his first two seasons, and then still played well this year. Uh, not do his best. And then Havenstein, I mean, he did, he had some genuinely great moments, and he was an important part of the turnaround as well. Um, but obviously this year was terrible. It leaves a bad taste in your mouth when you're putting him on this team. But like it, it's like who else? It's like Joe Barksdale, Greg Robinson. Uh, if you want to put Roger Saffold on the team twice for his achievements at tackle – uh, it's it's Avenstein, and there really isn't another option. Uh, but I love I love the honorable mention for Joe Barksdale there. I I had to. It, it just there was no other choice there for me. I, I couldn't succumb to Roger Saffold because let's face it, he he's, he's not going to ever be. Yeah, he's coming up, but he's not ever going to be known for being a tackle. No. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, but before we talk about our second guards, because this this is it gets disgusting. Uh, Roger Saffold, I'm assuming is your first guard, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I if if you don't have Roger Saffold here, you you probably have something against Roger Saffold because the the guy we still miss Roger Saffold, you know. And it's only been a season, and it feels like it's been forever since we've had Roger Saffold. But yeah, uh, no-brainer, Roger Saffold at number one. Number two gets extremely complicated. <laughs> Very no. well. I don't, I don't want to cut Saffold short. Uh, nine seasons with the team, the longest tenure Ram of the decade. Uh, played for, uh, a couple seasons for, in both cities. Uh, he almost left in 2014, signed a deal with the Raiders. His injury history was so bad that he failed the physical and he lost like $12 million because of it. But it's almost as if fate let that happen because he hasn't really been injured since. And he got a huge payday after a couple great seasons with the Rams uh, once he moved to guard. Uh, if the Greg Robinson acquisition accomplished anything for the Rams, it was putting Saffold at guard where he really took his game to another level. Uh, but <laughs> second guard. Continue, Johnny. 
So I know your pick, and I can respect it. And the only reason why I don't agree with you It's not a good pick. It's not a good pick. It's, uh, uh, I mean, okay, so no matter what anybody says here, it's not a good, it's not a good pick. So, (laughs) I ended up, not at all, I ended up going with Jacob Bell. (laughs) And the reason being, (laughs) I know he was terrible, but the reason being was at least he wasn't the worst of the pack, I feel like. And he did provide at least a little bit of help during the troublesome eras. Yeah, that's all I got for you, man. I, I, you know, the other, the only other guy I could think of is Jamal Brown, but in reality, he wasn't really a Ram for very long, and he, and he wasn't that great either, to be honest. Well, well, Johnny, based on on the confines of of our rules, Jacob Bell played with the Rams for four years, but only two of them fall into. Uh, this this team, but either way, like I also can't really sit here and aggressively debate you because the other guys in consideration were Jamon Brown, who was my pick, Harvey Dahl, Cody Wickman, Adam Goldsberg, Davin Joseph. Like these guys, these are not inspiring choices. Austin Blythe, uh, who it's hard to put him on there because. This he played two years and he's pretty bad at guard for one of them. Uh, <laughs> I went Brown strictly yeah, for three reasons. These are the three reasons. I felt he was a serviceable starting level player, and I think he's proven that since he left the Rams. Uh, he was a starter for multiple seasons, which <laughs> at this position is honestly a qualifier because there's not that many guys that did that, and. He was part of the 2017 line that turned the team around. It was a pretty good part, and I think had he not been suspended uh, for the first two games of 2018 where Blythe came in and played well and just kept the spot, I think he might still be our starting guard. Uh, he's not a great player, and that might, hell, might not even be a good player. He's a fine player, and <laughs> compared to these other guys we were talking about, that's all you can ask. I almost went with Harvey Dahl, honestly. <laughs> it it was uh, it was tempting, also. Yes, yeah, the, I I think this is the lowest we got for like players on this list. Although center is not much better. <laughs> you got anything else to add on guard, or or you want to give me your center? Uh, let, let's go to center. I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of disgusted that I picked Jacob Bell. <laughs> it's bad. Well, here are the candidates for center. Jason Brown, Scott Weld, Tim Barnes, John Sullivan. Like, if you want to throw out Austin Blythe or Brian Allen, sure, it's that bad. I'm not going to hold it against you. Uh, I went with Tim Barnes because, like, strictly, and I mean strictly almost, because of that one game against the Seahawks where he recovered two fumbles in the same drive in the fourth quarter to literally propel us to a victory. Uh, we don't <laughs> we don't beat the Seahawks in that game without Tim Barnes, and I cannot say the same about any game for any of these other four players. I think if you played their backup, the results probably wouldn't have changed all that much. So it's Tim Barnes. I guess John Sullivan's the honorable mention. 
I, is that your choice, John Sullivan, or you got somebody else? I, I had to go with John Sullivan. Tim yeah. Barnes was just too painful to watch. And I can understand why you would go with Barnes. I mean, technically speaking, Barnes has had the starting role for longer than just about any other center on the Rams uh, during the decade, of course. And you know, um, man, Tim Barnes, not a great center. Dude played his ass off. It was never for a lack of effort with Tim Barnes. Uh, and I'd say, like, I'm not even happy he's gone because uh, unless Blyde stays, we haven't really replaced him with anyone all that inspiring. But I think Sully is also a fair choice. Yeah, I had to go with Sullivan because even though Sullivan, again, another guy that the Rams got in the latter half of his career – uh, because I, I think people forget that John Sullivan had a decent career uh, before coming to the Rams, but you saw such a huge increase of production from the offense when both Whitworth and Sullivan came. Now, a lot of it was thanks to Whitworth, but um, there was you could tell that there was a huge difference in centers as well, you know. And while Sullivan, you know, in, in the the next year didn't do all that well, I could say that I would still rather have Sullivan over Barnes, you know. And again, not not a shot at Barnes either because I'm kind of with you, Steve. I think that um, there is something to be said about a guy's work ethic. At least he went out there and, you know, played his heart out. It's just he wasn't that good. Tim Barnes had a, had a better NFL career than I think 99% of people would have had given his talent. And that's, yes. that's a, it might sound like a backhanded compliment, but it's a compliment nonetheless. Uh, the guy earned his money. Uh, truly, he was not that good of a center, but he earned it. And But I Sullivan was also better, and I really consider just having the entire 2017 Rams line as my team because – it doesn't take much to qualify here. No, not much at all. But uh, I, I, that's for me, I had to give it to Sullivan just because I saw that increase, that um, I saw the improvement once Sullivan came aboard and, and started. So, yeah, I, I could see why you might go with Barnes, but for me, it's Sullivan. <laughs> Guys, if you need to wash your hands... Uh, take a long shower, uh, whatever you got to do to cleanse yourself of that conversation. Uh, feel free, pause it, come back. We're going to talk about the defense right now. I promise that's going to be the lowest point in this podcast. Um, defense, hey, I, again, like the offense, a lot of these are obvious, and I think the ones that are less obvious are more challenging and fun debates uh, because the players who are more or less good at least, uh, but we're going to start off with a couple obvious ones. So because we switched defenses, we're going to do four defensive lines. So two defensive ends slash edge rushers, two defensive tackles slash nose tackles, and then three linebackers, inside, outside, whatever. Uh, but it's pretty obvious if you follow along with the Rams over these years, uh, the players we're going to discuss here. So for defensive ends, Johnny, I don't really think you can throw out anybody other than Robert Quinn and Chris Long, no? 
No, not at all. I mean, there's there's nobody else that even comes remotely close. Um, You could make an argument for James Hall, I guess. No, you can't. No, no, you really can't. (laughs) I I mean, if you wanted to throw in a guy there, there's James Hall. But other than that, it's it's got to be Robert Quinn and and uh, and Chris Long. You know, these guys, even after they were Rams, they were still you know, doing, doing things. And, and for their credit, you know, uh, Chris Long ended up getting a ring. Yeah. He he got a ring. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, look, you know what? To your credit, I just looked up James Hall's numbers. He might be my honorable mention. 10 and a half sacks in 2010. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't too bad. It's just compared to the, you know, Quinn and Long, there's just there's no question it's them. And while Hall was okay, he he definitely was no Quinn or no Long. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and like like Joe Barksdale, um, or not not even Joe. I don't remember who we were talking about before, but only two years in this decade with the team. But they were his best years, and then he retired. Um, but yeah, Quinn and Long, I think Quinn is going to go down as one of the more underrated Rams we've ever had. Uh, his 2013 season with the 19 sacks was insane. Uh, and I'm glad, I'm glad he's having a little rebound here with Dallas. I was miscast at the end of his Rams tenure and then with Miami, but truly like watching him rush the pass. It's like, it's like, it's like watching an artist paint, man. It was just beautiful. He was a, a great finesse rusher. I uh, didn't really bully people into sacks like a lot of defense ends. He's just, he just a very, very like, like, and, and, and you watch Robert Quinn rush the pass, and it's just it's impressive uh, when he gets sacks. It's it's really fun to watch. Uh, and then Chris Long, you know, he he never made a Pro Bowl or anything here, but he, along with the guy we'll talk about later, was the linchpin of this defense for years. Um, and he's a great dude on and off the field. Um, and I'm pretty sure he just hiked Mount Kilimanjaro with an honorable mention I had, Will Hayes, who's an honorable mention here, who was literally these guys' backup, uh, but could have started for a lot of these teams. Um, I love Chris Law, man. I was glad he got two rings, actually, with the Eagles as well. Uh, so was, oh, that's right. Yep. So, I mean, it, it's, it's a weird relationship with Chris Long because I think – because the team moved and because of his success with the Eagles, I don't think he real. I think he really considers himself to be an Eagle now rather than a Ram. Um, and it is what it is. I, I think that's his choice. I'd love to have him on the pod to talk about it. I don't think that'll ever happen. But uh, if the team was still in St. Louis, though, I think he would identify himself more as a Ram than an Eagle. But that's, that's a, that sounds like a June podcast topic. <laughs> But on the other hand, we could also mention about Will Hayes and his mermaid friends. I love Will Hayes, man. I uh, he, he if he was on the team now, I don't know how we'd do in a three four. But he, if we we're in a four three or whatever, take the systems out, he'd be our second best pass rusher, I'd say, on the edge. Hein Fowler, he's a good player. Yeah, he wasn't bad for sure. But I don't know if I could put him above Quinn or Long. No, no, no way. And he wasn't above them on the depth chart either. That's true. 
Um, anyone we've had really since then, I don't think has been here long enough to even sniff that conversation. Defensive tackle and nose tackle. <laughs> it's, I feel like this is also pretty obvious. I got Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers. Uh, I mean, Donald, he could retire today and he'd probably make the Hall of Fame, genuinely. Uh, five time first, five time first team All Pro, not just five time All Pro. Uh, and six time Pro Bowler. He's only been in the league for six years. Defensive player of the year twice. Pro Football Focus Defensive player of the year four times. 20 and a half sacks in 2018 as an interior defensive line lineman. Like we just talked about how great Robert Quinn's 19 sacks were. It was an awesome season. Uh, he was the first team all pro and was a contender for defensive player of the year. Donald had 20 and a half on the inside while getting double teamed almost every play. Uh, it was nonsensical. And I think he's only one of two players that would be on the actual all decade team for the whole league. Uh, right? I don't think Gurley might get some consideration, but he's not being out like AP or anything. No, I, and and you're right. I think Donald would probably be the only one for sure. Well, Hecker. I think Hecker would be on there too. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point, yeah. That's it, though. But, <laughs> yeah, as far as, I, I mean, for me, I, I don't I don't have to argue for Aaron Donald all I have to say is Aaron Donald, and everyone will just nod their head and agree. Yes. Uh, because <laughs> this guy is easily one of the best Rams of all time already. And that's saying that's saying something. You know, there's some great all-time great Rams here. And, uh, you know, for him to already be in that conversation and being so young, that's impressive. That's damn impressive. And as for Michael Brockers, He'll always, in my opinion, be one of the more forgettable Rams, which is a shame because I feel like he, he at least early on in his career, now we're kind of not really mentioning him and as in a positive light as when he was younger. But um, he'll always be kind of the guy that's for the forgotten or the unpraised guy, which is it, it's a shame because he he really helped defenses by opening up the gaps and stuff like that this is this is impressive and uh i i think that's why aaron donald goes out of his way to to show praise to michael brockers because he he doesn't get the the praise that he deserves so in the, in this case for sure in the all decades team he he, he definitely deserves a spot here I, I don't think there's anyone that comes remotely close to him in my opinion I couldn't even think of a, another real candidate here. I, I, I like you thought Kendall Langford, Namakinsu, yeah, uh, <laughs> like because they both been in those spots for so long uh, that there's really like you got to dig deep to to find another guy. Uh, I think Brockers will be remembered fondly. I don't think he's gonna be back next year. Uh, it doesn't feel likely, but. I think he was here for so long, and he got a couple of years under his belt in L.A. as well. Uh, he'll be welcomed back to, not the Coliseum, SoFi now, uh, with open arms. And I think he was never, he, he never jumped off the page, and he never had to. I think Aaron Donald getting drafted was the best thing that could happen to him because uh, he was a perfect compliment next to him. And I, I loved having him on the team. He's a great, great player, great guy.
so line linebackers were picking three. Um, James Laurinaitis, I think we're both obviously going to agree there. Only uh, six seasons. I guess he only played one more season out of this decade, but 2010 to 2015, 29 to 2015 total. Started every game while he was here. He left the Rams after 2015 with a 112 consecutive game win streak. Er, win streak. Probably had a 112-game loss streak, honestly. Uh, 100, 112 consecutive starts. Uh, tallied 100 tackles in every season he was here, and he's the franchise leader in tackle tackles. Uh, really a leader on and off the field. He was the undisputed captain and heart of the defense in every year he was here, I would say. Uh, even when Rem Robert Quinn was having his year, Laurinaitis was the leader out there. Um, Johnny, I, if you got anything to add on Laurinaitis, feel free, but I will let you say your other two guys because I think it's really deciding between Alec Ogletree, Mark Barron, and Corey Littleton here. So I personally have to say Corey Littleton because uh, Corey Littleton is – Easily uh, a guy that I feel like doesn't get as much praise, not only on the Rams, but around the league. You know, um, he he's really talented in terms of just being a all all around good linebacker. You know, he may not excel like exceedingly in one spot, but in terms of all around as an all around linebacker, I feel like. For sure, he deserves a spot alone for that reason. Um, and, you know, there's no question, you know, as a starter, he's he's always come through and been like some of one of the more clutch players on defense for sure. So for me, I think Littleton's a no-brainer also. Um, uh, you know, Laronitis, I, 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 I don't think there's ever been a question as far as him. But as for the last spot, that one gets a, a little tough. Because on one hand, I kind of want to say Mark Barron because he did. I think people forget he did have like, uh, I'd say, two really good solid seasons. Uh, And then there's Ogletree, who I feel like, you know, before the Rams switched into a a 3-4 defense, he was one of the better linebackers in the league. And for me... I, I got to go with Ogletree. Um, in, in the end, I feel like Ogletree was more dominant. And I think had the Rams stood at a 4-3 defense, he would still be a – well, maybe not still be a Ram, but he would have at least played more years with the Rams. But because they switched to a 3-4, it just wasn't – it wasn't the right fit for him. So um, props to Ogletree. I, I – I, honestly ho- hoped that he would have stayed but in the end it, he just wasn't the right fit at the time so yeah uh for me Ogletree and uh yeah what, what do you think Steve I I ended up with the same three guys as you but I I think Ogletree to me was the was the number two guy here I like you mentioned, he was really good for a while, and he didn't quite fit Wade's system. But even that, he was a second-year All-Pro in his first year in the system. Uh, he, Ogletree, all, Ogletree and Barron, uh, 
they both got here playing a position and then were just like immediately moved and thrived after they moved. Barron came in as a safety. We move him to outside linebacker. He he thrives. We move him to then inside linebacker and we switch the system and he played well as well. Uh, last season wasn't great, but overall a good tenure. Um, and then Ogletree comes in. Uh, I believe he came in as an outside linebacker, right? And then we moved him to inside linebacker. And then he moved to a 3-4, or moved to a middle linebacker. Then he became a 3-4 inside linebacker. Uh, and I think he played well at all three, honestly. And I agree with you. I would have loved for him to stick around. I don't think he was a perfect fit here. Uh, but if he, if it wasn't for that big extension he got, I think he probably would be here. Uh, but dude got his bag, moved on, and has been pretty good for the, for the Giants. Um, but to me, he felt like the obvious pick. And I went back and forth between Littleton and Barron for a while. And I really didn't want to include Barron. He was a starter for longer. Um, we got all, every penny's worth for what we gave up for him. And another guy who, who also was able to get a big contract while he was here and then get a pretty decent contract from Pittsburgh as well. But I went Littleton really for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. I think his 29 season was more impressive than any single season Barron had. Uh, and I think I take his two best years over Barron's two best years. And I think the gap is big enough to get him the spot on this team. But I think some people have Barron as they should. But I love Littleton. Uh, his emergence kind of came out of nowhere. And he's going to get a massive contract this summer, whether it's from us or from somebody else. And he's earned it. Great player. Uh, I, I'm really happy for him. All right. I'm excited to talk about this one. Cornerbacks. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to let you start it off, Johnny. Who you got? Well, I, I think this one isn't too hard to figure out just because there were guys that, you know, it, during this decade had like maybe one or two good seasons, um, but then ultimately didn't amount to much. And then there were guys like, Tremaine Johnson and Janoris Jenkins, who, you know, did very well at the Rams and then ultimately got paid. That's basically what happened. The only other guy can really, <laughs> I, I think the only really, the only real guy you could put there um, would be Marcus Peters, maybe. But he really wasn't with the Rams for very long. No. So I don't know if you could really say him. So, um, the only other guy that you can maybe no, I, I can't even say that. No, I, I ain't even gonna humor that. Were you gonna mention Cortland Finnegan or Troy Hill? Neither. <laughs> Who are you gonna mention? Actually, actually, believe it or not, um, I don't know if you're gonna remember him or not because really, he only had one good season with the Rams, and he was even injured during that season. EJ Games. Yes, absolutely. He's in my article, I, but not not as an honorable mention. I I liked EJ Gaines a lot, and when he was traded to the Bills, I was a little upset just because I felt like he was going to have a really bright and promising future. Oh, that didn't end up happening, but um, you know, I I felt like EJ Gaines had a an incredible season. But it was just that, just the season. Um, 
So Tremaine Johnson, Janoris Jenkins is the no-brainer. Both of these guys really, really hammered in that they wanted to be paid. And honestly, they deserved it. And they got they, paid. They and they did. They got, got paid. Buko Bucks, man. You know, it uh, started off with Janoris Jenkins, ended up going to the New York Giants. And hey, you know, that, that worked out really well for them for a while. Jermaine, uh, I don't know if he had nearly as a successful story uh, with the New York Jets. He has not. He has not whatsoever. No. Nah. Nah, so. Uh... <laughs> but he got but paid more these... money. Oh, he did. Yes, he did. And uh, in a way, I'm kind of glad that the Rams didn't end up uh, paying him. Uh, I, I was kind of an advocate for paying the guy. But uh, it didn't. It didn't even end up mattering because the Rams ended up getting Marcus Peters and Akeem Talib. But um, yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Then there's Jalen Ramsey later on. But um, yeah, Johnson Jenkins. Uh, who, who you got, uh, Steve? Same here. And I. It's been like a revolving door of former all pros in our secondary, uh, even dating back to like Quinn, Quinn Michael uh, early in the decade and then Cortland Finnegan. But then these two came in. Uh, it was Les Snead's first draft, and he kind of stabilized the position for a while, a position that, quite frankly, had been a very weak spot on the Rams, as was like half the positions on our roster for a while. Um, we could never really quite get it right in the draft, but – Janoris Jenkins in the second and Tremaine Johnson in the third. Uh, Jenkins had an incredible rookie year. I think he's tied for the most touchdowns by a rookie returning interceptions. Uh, he had three of them. I, before I developed my love for Marcus Peters, I absolutely loved Janoris Jenkins. Uh, he was just a wild dude. And he was really fun to watch. And I think him and Johnson really complemented each other well. Um, as a secondary, and they were both very good for us. They stabilized the position for a couple years. Johnson was here a little longer. Uh, we paid him a lot of money on franchise tags, that was for sure. And it, it's kind of funny because you mentioned you were advocating for him to sign him long term. The Rams in the twenty after the twenty fifteen season really had to make a choice between these two guys long term, and they essentially chose neither. They franchised Tremaine Johnson for two years and then let him walk and obviously let Jenkins walk. And I don't think letting either of these guys go was a bad move. I think I would have rather franchised Jenkins than Johnson, but like you said, it didn't matter. But these are two players that will will likely be somewhat forgotten as Rams. Maybe not Johnson as much, but they're both fun guys, good players. Uh made a formidable duo as cornerbacks and I love to have them. And Peters is my honorable mention, but it's he's very he's a very distant third. Safeties. This you know what, Johnny, this was tougher than I thought picking safeties. I don't know if you had the same two as me. Uh but you're basically choosing between Ronnie McLeod, TJ McDonald, LaMarcus Joyner, and John Johnson. Uh, I don't really think there's much of a case for Johnson, but choosing between the other three was tough. 
Yeah, you're you're absolutely right because um, I I think if I'm gonna be honest, I, I feel like if there was more time, if John Johnson played in the decade a lot longer, uh, you, you would probably have him in there. But if he played he this really season, had, honestly, if he played the whole season, he might be in here. Yeah, exactly. And it, really, you only have one season to work with, yep. so. You can't really make the argument there. So you can eliminate John Johnson there. So it's between the three. And for me, I really wanted to say TJ McDonald because TJ McDonald, I felt like, is going to be a forgotten guy um, because he, he played really well. But then once he left the Rams, not so much. So... But in the end, I I don't know if I can really legitimately say T.J. McDonald over Rodney McLeod. I think Rodney McLeod gets the number one nod from me. Same he, here. I mean, this guy, he he immediately got paid once he left the Rams, and he's and, been pretty good. Uh, a lot yeah. of the guys we've talked about that got paid have not been good since they left the Rams, but he has, uh, and he won a Super Bowl with Chris Long. Yeah, there you have it. So Rodney McLeod for me is the clear number one. So number two was between McDonald and Joyner. And I I had to go with with LaMarcus Joyner because I feel like he he was a little more talented. And, uh, well, he he was one of the guys that just got paid uh, with the Oakland Raiders, didn't really have much of a good season uh, over there. So... Yeah, for me, I I went with Joyner and McLeod. Yeah, same here. Um, for all you mentioned about McLeod, came in as a special teamer, really, but emerged as a, as a really good safety. Uh, one of the most successful undrafted players we, we've ever had, uh, at least in the last couple of years. Um, so I love McLeod. I'm uh, really happy that he succeeded with Philly. Uh, he earned that contract for sure, and yeah, you said you really wa- you wanted to put T.J. McDonald on here. Honestly, I didn't really want to put T.J. McDonald on here, and I didn't for that reason. Uh, but he was pretty good for us. I just I went Joiner, and I think like he, you we probably shouldn't be factoring in his play at the slot cornerback, but that's part of the reason why it puts him over the edge for me. Even though he started less at safety, but. Uh, when we moved him to safety to replace T.J. McDonald in 2017, he played much better than T.J. McDonald did in 2016. So that that also kind of does it for me here. That's a big factor. Was huge for us in that team. Played that season. Played well enough to earn the franchise tag because, quite frankly, we couldn't afford him. Uh, didn't play as well in 2018, but he was okay, and he still got the bag. Uh, still got that payday. So yeah, this it, it was a little tough though. Uh, to choose because TJ did have a pretty decent career here. And last but not least, special teams. Uh, I mean, we could group kicker and punter together. Uh, <laughs> Greg Zerline was here from 2012 to 2019. Johnny Hacker was here from 2013 to 2019. So there really isn't another choice besides these guys at all. Uh, I think the only honorable mention is Donnie Jones at punter, who was good while he was here. Also won a Super Bowl with Chris Long and Rodney McLeod. Um, but 
man, Zerline, his leg strength is undeniable. He's made 82% of his field goals since he's been here, 33 from over 50 yards. As a rookie, as a rookie, he attempted the most 50-yard field goals in NFL history. And he's one of two players ever to hit from over 60 yards, the other being Sebastian Janikowski. Sorry, hit, hit from over 60 yards twice. It's just him and Janikowski. And then Hecker, as we mentioned earlier, probably on the all-decade team for the whole NFL, four-time Pro Bowler, uh, four-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro. Uh, guy's a monster. Holds the record for longest punt in a Super Bowl. We won't talk about anything else about that Super Bowl. Uh, but also his ability on fakes is undeniable. Uh, not Not really a conversation here. So for me, you, most of you would pick uh, Greg Zerloin as your all-decade kicker, but I say fick that. I got to go with <laughs> Sam Fickman. <laughs> okay, obviously I'm joking. Uh, Love it. Yeah, he might be the honorable mention man. Who else was here? Well, there was Josh Brown. Oh my god! You know what? I've been trying to think of the kicker between Jeff Wilkins and Greg Zerloin. Josh Brown was actually pretty good. I totally forgot about him. Yeah, Josh Brown wasn't too bad. Uh, I don't think you can seriously give it to Josh Brown, but no, I guess he he's better honorable mention than Ficken. But <laughs> uh, yeah, Zerloin is the clear nod there. I mean, you, you don't get nicknames like Legatron and and Greg the Leg for you know being just an okay kicker. This guy is a stud and he was hoping that he, that the Rams are able to bring him back. We'll see. And hopefully we don't have to go after guys like Sam Fick. And um, as for Johnny Hecker, I mean, for me, I don't think there's any question. He's, he's the, uh, he might be one of the best punters in franchise history. Not just, not just uh, for this decade, uh, including even if he threw in Donnie Jones from his time here, um, I, I think if you compare both both punters, uh, you you'd still have to give it to Johnny Hecker. No, yeah, it's not so, close. But Donnie Jones was like a real he was like a really good punter, I thought, and we upgraded. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's that's <laughs> impressive. Yeah. So as far as Hecker too, I'm gonna also put him as my honorable mention for quarterback. Just saying. Fine by me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would much rather have Johnny Hecker as my quarterback than Sam Bradford. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not seriously, but um, yeah, as far as that, there is something to be said about a punter that can uh, double up as a as a quarterback, especially when you're in fake punt situations. So, you know, there's so many teams in the league that would love to have Johnny Hecker for that fact alone. So that that says a lot about, you know, your punter. So, yeah, clearly Zerline and Hecker are the best options there. And, and we got him locked up for a long time, Hecker. Hopefully we can get Zerline locked up. Who do you have for your return specialist? You know, I I thought that this would be easier than it was, and, it, and it's not easy at all. No, it, there's some decisions it, here. Uh, not very good decisions, if you ask me. But 
Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, you know, I, I think we had some decent returners this decade. The only one, in my personal opinion, that is decent enough for this all-decade team would be Tavon Austin, as much as it pains me to say it. Uh, As a returner, Tavon Austin wasn't bad. As a receiver, he was terrible. Yeah. Uh, And I'll I'll leave it at that, just because... (laughs) I feel like Tavon is is a uh, is a decent returner, Ta- but that's really it. Tavon Austin is a good football player. The problem is he wasn't good at any position. He I, look to me. I have Tavon Austin as well. This list doesn't feel right without Tavon Austin. As silly as it sounds, honestly, um, when you got the guy in the ball in open field, he was as good as any player in the league. But like I mentioned, the problem was he he wasn't a good route runner. Uh, he couldn't read holes as a running back. So like you had to put him in the position to succeed. But it was damn hard to tackle in the open field, as hard as anybody. Uh, and early on as a punt returner, he thrived, and he was really good. He scored a touchdown returning in each of his first three seasons. It is kind of weird to put him on this list over uh, the guy who that when he took it, Tavon's job – as a kick returner, he was selected as a first-team All-Pro, Farrell Cooper, uh, but he kind of erased all that goodwill when he fumbled in the playoffs twice, unfortunately for him. <laughs> but I, I think because, truthfully, because of that silly-ass contract we paid Tavon, I think we all kind of appreciated what he did here much, much less than we should. He was a good player. At time, and he had some games where he just lit up the defense uh, before McVay got here. He was miscast in a lot of ways. We should have never traded up for him. But as a return specialist and just as like a gadget player, he was great. Uh, the problem was he couldn't do much more than that. And when you trade up for a guy as high as we traded up for him, and then you you pay him a ton of money in an extension when you were bidding against nobody, uh, it got things, things got weird, but I, I overall, I liked Tavon while he was here. Honestly, uh, I know it, it took time for me to get to that conclusion because it ended bad, but here we are. It we're reflecting. This is a podcast full of reflecting. I think it might take me another decade for me to get to your realization. <laughs> I don't think you're alone in that school of thought. <laughs> Uh, and look, we got to end with this, and this is this will probably be the toughest position on the team, head coach. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, it's tough, man. You you look at the the guys we're talking about, Steve Spagnola, uh, who had one season with the Rams where he won more than three games, and Jeff Fisher, uh, who never had a winning season with the Rams, and then Sean McVay, who who couldn't make the playoffs. After playing in a Super Bowl, I, I it's tough. Uh, what what Steve Spagnola accomplished in that 2010 season was the stuff of legends. Uh, Jeff Fisher took over a team that had what two wins and brought them to an astounding seven eight and one record. And then Sean McVay, who runs a, a gimmick offense, and uh, I don't know who do you got here. 
Well, you know, it's really tough. It really is. But I have to go with 7-9 bullshit Jeff Fisher. It's just, you know, the memes are just too good not to say Jeff Fisher. But, no, in all seriousness, you, you got to say McVeigh. Uh, McVeigh, I, I think if you have McVeigh as, as the coach, even prior to Fisher and even and during the garbage time in the Spagnolo area, I, I think that the team would do much better under Sean McVay. I, I, I mean, in all fairness, McVay has never had a horrible team like in the Spagnolo era. But yeah, it, it's still the clear answer is is Sean McVay. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what what he does in the future. Um, you know, I know some people have lost faith after not making the playoffs. You know, with a nine and seven record, but you really shouldn't. This guy, it, he is the he's the future of coaching, and that's why there are so many other teams out there that are actually looking to find the next Sean McVay. And so far, it really hasn't been that successful. Cough sack Taylor. <laughs> uh, I think if you give if you give Sean McVay the twenty fifteen Rams. He gets that team to the playoffs for sure, I think. Uh, it's obviously Sean McVay. That was all a joke. But may- maybe the most like significant head coaching hire of the decade across the NFL uh, was Sean McVay. Just because, like you said, we had a whole whole offseason or two of teams chasing the next Sean McVay. Uh, he had glorified... <laughs> For lack of a better term, glorified like interns getting head coaching jobs like Zach Taylor. Um, it's it's wild. But I, I do want to say this, Johnny, because we are in a podcast reflecting. I don't think we will ever appreciate Jeff Fisher's tenure as the Rams head coach as we should. Uh, what he inherited was like the worst an absolute dog shit, uh, quite frankly, a, a pretty bad roster, a organization in shambles, and him and Les Need came in and they turned the thing around, uh, and he he overstayed his welcome. He should have never been the, the coach when the team moved to L.A. Uh, I think after that, that 2015 season, he should, he should have gotten the ax, but he took the team from really bad and made them okay until that last year where we were fed up with being whatever, okay? It, we went from, like, remember how excited we were when the team went 7-8 and won his first year? And now we are furious about a season where we went 9-7. and seven. Uh, Obviously, Sean McVay deserves much more credit for that, but Fisher got it started. He got the ball rolling. And, uh... He's basically become a living meme at this point, but truthfully, he, his hiring was something that would I, as crazy as it sounds, I think it was more of a positive than a negative. His tenure here. Yeah, I, I will admit that um, his inheritance wasn't the the best ever, and I, I think for that reason, you got to give props to Fisher there, but. Uh, were we ever going to go anywhere with Jeff Fisher? No. And it was very clear 
and uh, that's why when Jeff um, that's why when Jeff Fisher left, it was it was widely celebrated because then now you you can uh, you can celebrate with Sean McVay and actually make it to the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, and hey, the the roster he inherited. Um, there were some good de- like these are the these are the players that were already on the team uh, that were were decent at all. Sam Bradford, Stephen Jackson, Danny Amendola, Lance Kendricks, Roger Saffold, uh, Chris Long, James Laurinaitis, Robert Quinn. That that's basically it. Uh, those those are the ex- and Quinn Michael. Uh, those are the extent of like decent players that were here when he arrived uh so give the credit to Les Snee, give the credit to him <laughs> he he said he built this team when Sean McVay came in with the success he was acting like it was his team and it wasn't uh, but uh, like that statement's like 10 percent true 90 percent false uh, he did a lot of good here, but he he was like you said, he was never the guy to take us to the next level. But he brought us up a level, and uh, there are coaches that we could have hired that would have brought us to another level. But there's a lot of coaches we could we could have hired that wouldn't have done that. Uh, and after the coaches that preceded him, uh, he was a welcome addition for a while. That that was two point five percent true. I'll say. <laughs> I, I give it five. Uh, I mean, <laughs> look, like you can go back and read what people Rams fans were saying, and the decisions to draft Aaron Donald and Todd Gurley uh, were not easy ones. And I don't, we don't know whether it was Les Snead or Jeff Fisher who. Um, was the one really calling those picks, but we do know that Jeff Fisher would, and I'm, I'm like 99% that this is true. He was here first, right? He was part of the team that hired Les Snead. If I'm not mistaken, I think you're right. So, um, he can take some credit for it. Sure. Uh, but he was never the coach to do it. Uh, maybe he should have been the general manager instead. Um, but like, yeah, man, Aaron Donald and Togarley were not needs when we drafted them at all. Uh, and they were probably the two best first-round picks of the decade, I, I think. Maybe the two best draft picks, period, that we've had. Yeah, for sure. No doubt about it. Yeah. All right, well, that was fun reflecting. Any any parting thoughts on this team? Any Any mediocre players you wish we mentioned? Hmm, let's see. Not enough love for Brian Quick on here. Yeah, we didn't mention <laughs> Brian Quick. That's <laughs> which says a lot about Brian Quick considering that like we mentioned Brandon Gibson and Denario Alexander. Um what about Ron Bartell? There's there's Ron Bartell. Ron Bartell, Zach Stacy, Trey Mason. Uh, yeah. How about Daryl Richardson? Mason. Oh, yeah, Daryl Richardson also. But uh, I always wondered, like, what happened with uh, with Trey Mason. Man, it, it's it's honestly sad. Uh, I, I it, 
he he just lost it mentally. I don't know what happened. Uh, I hope yeah. I hope he's okay. Uh, it, it shit got weird. Yeah, I'm I'm actually genuinely curious what what he's up to now. Yeah, hopefully, living a happy, modest life. Um, man, the, the Zach Stacy year was awesome. He was he was legit good. I I think he was like a second or third round pick in fantasy drafts, and then that just didn't happen. Uh, it was wild. Uh, weird, weird decade. A lot of very high highs and a lot of very low lows. Um, we won as many playoff games in 2018 as we won games in 2011. So that's that's a thing. <laughs> Had one uh, of the- just <laughs> just to give you a bit of an update um, about Trey Mason, he played for the CFL in 2018. Yeah, I saw that, but he. He, he there was some there was some weird stuff that happened there too. Really, uh, I, I I believe. Uh, actually, I don't know if that's true. Uh, but hey, man, I hope he's doing well. And he 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 got the shitty end of the stick because like we all would have been fine going into 2015 with him as our starting running back, and they got Todd Gurley, who is. He was he was one of the best running back prospects in years. I'll never forget uh, the the tweet that that was sent out when uh, when they drafted Todd Gurley, and then uh, then he was ultimately traded. I think it was to the Jets, right? Todd Gurley? No, no, no. Oh, um, Zach, oh Zach Stacy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, as I, far as I know, Todd Gurley's still on the Rams. <laughs> Zach Stacy played in the AAF last year. Uh, currently, I am a member of the DC Defenders in the XFL, uh, according to Wikipedia, at least. But I don't know if that's true. I'm very confused. <laughs> oh well. Uh, okay, we we've this podcast has ran its course. Uh, we'll be back next week. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at Super Barrel, at Johnny5Net6, and at TalkRams. Uh, and look out for Rams Talk Radio coming up on the feed, I'm sure, later this week or early next week. Uh, for Johnny, this is Steve. We'll talk to you soon. What's up, everybody? Finally got that cat I've been talking about, but I never had one before. Any tips? control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.